Your network is your safety net when things go wrong and your phishing net to feed your business. So how do you go about building relationships and capitalizing on them in a way that feels authentic to you? In this week's episode of Own Your Business, I sit down with Megan Gillikin, a master networker and one of the most genuine human beings I know, to talk about how to network successfully, even if you're an introvert or have imposter syndrome, how to surprise and delight couples during the client journey, connect with new frienders who align well with your brand, and earn more referrals without sounding cheesy. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Megan Gillikin, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. I am so excited. I have been on your podcast multiple times, and it's going to be kind of fun to have the roles reversed. I am so thrilled to be here, Sam. Yeah, you are a three-timer on the podcast. I think you have been on the most times out of anyone, and I always love, love, love our conversation. So thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I expect that we'll have another great conversation here. And uh, I know that we're talking about a topic that's near and dear to your heart and something that uh, we've interwoven through our conversations. And I think it's going to be great for us to really put the focus on how you can build a, a long-term success with your business by creating some sort of foundation with relationships and and relationships with um, your team relationships with your vendors, relationship with your clients, and and all of those things and how they play out together. So thanks for your your wisdom and perspective. Before we get into it, you know, I like to get straight to business. Let's let people who don't know you as well as I do hear a little bit about your background and what you do in the wedding industry right now. Yes. So I have been in the event industry for a little over 16 years. I got my start with Marriott Hotels. Uh, worked my way through some different positions with my last one being a catering sales manager as the representative at the venue for events. But back in 2010, I went on a job interview, came out with an opportunity to take over an existing wedding planning company. And the rest is an interesting, bumpy roller coaster ride uh, of entrepreneurship. I have built the business to have a team where I've been able to step out of the day-to-day role of managing events. But for the last 12 years, I've been a wedding planner on the East Coast serving clients and loving my job. That's great. So wedding planning, I know that you do a lot of that, but you also do education as a professional. And it's more than just a side hustle for you. It's kind of a full-time thing these days. Yes, yes. So back in 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I launched a membership and education site for wedding planners, hoping to help them overcome some of the stressors and sidestep some of those big mistakes that I made as a newer wedding planner, as an entrepreneur wearing all the hats. It's called The Planner's Fault. It's been around for about two and a half years now, and there's around 400 wedding planners across the United States with a few international friends. And I do, I spend 90% of my time in that business and 10% in my planning business. 
And a lot of the planners vault is really about community and how you can mm-hmm. support each other through this dream or nightmare that we sometimes call entrepreneurship. So relationships are really important to you. And I, I know that that's certainly one of your superpowers. I'm curious, not just in the planner's vault, but through your role as a wedding planner, what kind of role has relationship building and, and maintenance had in your success? Oh, gosh. Relationships are so important to me and so vital to how I built my planning business. So a funny story about taking over ownership of an existing business is my mindset at that time was, oh, this is going to be easy. Like walk into business ownership, get through some of the hard parts that are already behind me. But in reality, I feel like I I had to start a little bit below ground because the reputation of the business that I purchased back in 2010 was really rough. We had been removed from all preferred uh, lists at venues. There were stories that I heard every time I went to tour a new property of the experience that they had had with the previous owner, lots of burned bridges. So honestly, relationships are exactly where my focus went back in 2010 of how to start to get above ground and then build from there. So I felt like I started several feet below and started to build a base of relationships and showing up as someone that those in the industry felt like it was worth having a conversation and getting to know and maybe giving a second chance to. So yeah, relationships are so, so important to me. Uh, So you had to spend a lot of time repairing before you could actually start building yourself then. Yeah. I went on many networking events, many um, places where I would find myself in conversations and I felt like I was being buried by the views of the previous owner. And there was no place for me as a new face in the business. And I realized that a few months in, like, oh man, this this is going to require some repair, uh, some brand reputation, like reworking all of the things. And so that's when I think I started to shift my approach in how I wanted to show up in conversations at networking events with venues that I wanted to get my foot in the door. I started to shift the way that I ask questions and the way that I presented myself in those meetings and the way that I followed up after. And that recipe honestly is what became like a rinse and repeat for rebuilding relationships with venues training my team, setting the standard of like who we were in the industry version 2.0. Wow. So, I mean, you had your work cut out for you. Yeah. Yeah. There were many nights where I'd been married to my husband for maybe a month when we made this leap of faith. Perfect timing. Oh, Lord. I'm Boy, sure he if, loved if, me. if owning a business was going to be super simple, doing it when you were a newlywed was going to be even easier, I bet you thought. You know, it was really sexy those nights where I would cry myself to sleep over being a new business owner. That's our that was our honeymoon period of marriage. <laughs> um, uh, that's, that sounds it sounds actually pretty rough. Yeah, it was rough. It was questioning a lot of things that I think, you know, whether you start your business yourself or you take over ownership of an existing business, whatever it looks like for you, 
in how entrepreneurship fits into your life, there's always going to be those moments where you're questioning like, okay, did I make the right choice, right? Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I serving the right client? Am I showing up? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? I mean, that voice in all of our heads that is constantly analyzing and overanalyzing, it can be it can be a lot. So I hope that if you're listening to this, you hear this conversation and you think initially, like one of the major takeaways is, okay, I'm not alone in that, that constant feeling of, am I doing this right? Yeah. Because everybody's going through the same swamp mm-hmm. to get to yeah. the other side. Everybody's yeah. going through that same thing. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why relationships are so important. I'm curious, as you went through and you were looking at trying to find your people, your tribe that was going to help get you through owning a business and trying to repair the business uh, reputation, at least, and and, and have fun while doing it. How did you pick people to connect to both the, you know, uh, people who you're going to work with and also people who were going to do business with you? How how did you identify who those people were and, and form those kinds of relationships? I think from a venue wedding professional standpoint, I approached relationships by um, being curious and uh, asking questions and trying to get to know where they were in business and perhaps like what their major pain points were. I know from a venue standpoint, as soon as I realized like, okay, we're not having a discussion about me becoming a planner on this list, or they're welcoming me with open arms, I started to shift the script of, let me just ask them like, what's working right now? I'm not asking to be put on your list, but I just love to hear like, is there anything when you are working um, with, and in my case, I was speaking specifically to planners, but this could apply for any wedding professional category. But when you've worked with planners in the last year to two years, what's making your life easier? And where are there areas that like perhaps there's room to grow. And is there anything that, you know, you'd be willing to share with me about that conversation? So I think I, I shifted from, Hey, I'm Megan. I am the owner of this planning business. I'd love for us to get the opportunity to work together. Here are the services that I offer. I stopped talking about that because I realized like, Oh, this is not the way to start building relationships. And I just started asking questions and getting curious in the Mm. relationship. I love that because that's exactly what you know that I talk about all the time when it comes to sales. And that's essentially, you know, sales is about influencing people and persuading people um, to see your solution to their problem as the one that's going to be best. Mm-hmm. And 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 I and I I like to boil it down to those terms that you as a business offer a solution to your customer's problem, whether mm-hmm. that's a, an unmet desire or a pain point that they have. And so what you did when you were thinking about relationships is you didn't go out and sell yourself. You were you were first trying to identify through market research. You know that would be the formal term for what you were doing is, hey, what what is my audience's pain point? What is it that that they that they are struggling or challenged with the most? And how can I then understand what that is to be able to find a way to connect with them in a way that's meaningful for their needs rather than my own. And, and that, that, that's really a service first approach. Yeah. And I think that translated as well to my client uh, or potential client conversations. Honestly, I was coming at it from a place of not 
I had deep imposter syndrome feelings, deep, especially like I left my full-time job. Now I had this business. The business was kind of like a rotten apple that looked pretty from the outside, but then you take a bite and it's not great. So I had these feelings of, I don't belong. I'm not as good as so-and-so that's been in the business for so long. So instead of going into my uh, initial client consultations, trying to, you know, show up in a way that presented that I knew everything and that I had all the answers. I did the same thing that I still do to this day. 12 years in is ask questions like how, and you and I, this is where I think you and I are so aligned in these conversations is like, it's very easy to just ask questions and be curious. It feels much more intense and stressful to say like, okay, here's who I am. These are the packages. These are, this is why you should hire me that never felt comfortable to me. It didn't feel comfortable in year one. It's still not part of my sales script and who we speak to in year 12 versus year one is a totally different client, but it's still the same, like ask questions, be the solution and be authentic in speaking to what your superpowers are. And I think that's something that I also have worked into, um, my own relationship building is I know that if you ask me to do something or I tell you that I'm going to be there for you, you can absolutely count that that is something that I will do. And I use that as part of how I spoke to what it would look like working with us as planners on the wedding day. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, I think you're spot on with the, you know, not selling yourself and instead just, you know, being curious. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that's, there's this thing called reactance that when people feel like they're being sold to, they're like, you know, boom, up comes the, the wall, up comes the armor and you're going to protect yourself. And so many wedding pros that I talk to are like, how do I pitch my services to potential partners? Or how can I pitch a collab between me and this other venue or planner or floor designer that I want to work with? Um, and, and it's not really about that. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of the reasons why social media can be so powerful because in a, you know, it's not a bunch of billboards that you're putting out, you know, like media, traditional media. It's more about the social. How can you interact and ask questions and 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 learn from other people and what they're doing? And instead of making it about me, 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 and you make it about you, 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 you're going to find a lot more success and, and and it'll tap into those superpowers. So many wedding professionals are introverted um, or, or don't like cocktail party conversations or are scared to go to a networking event by themselves or even with another person. And so they just miss out on building relationships with others because they won't reach out. And so I think that's really powerful takeaway from just so far what we've talked about is that you don't have to be super gregarious and super outgoing and bold and courageous. Courageous. You can just ask people questions and and be in your comfort zone. And and we know through research that that's actually a far better approach to form a meaningful connection with somebody than trying to sell yourself to a perfect stranger. Yes, I think when you talk about this, one of my all-time favorite quotes comes up and it is by Mary Kay Ash, who founded Mary Kay Cosmetics. And she has a quote that goes something like, imagine every person has a sign around their neck that says, make me feel important. And I guess that's how I have approached 
how we serve our clients, as well as how we show up in the uh, wedding professional side of things as well. But I think, and also like, yeah, asking questions, you can do that one-on-one. You can do that at a networking event. You can do that in a way that like people love to talk about themselves. Like people absolutely love to talk about themselves. And I think that if networking and getting out in these large cocktail party style events doesn't feel good to you right now, totally, that's okay. One of my favorite ways to network with people is through, I have a link that is a 20 minute virtual coffee chat link. So if someone reaches out to me and says like, Hey, I came across your planning business. I would love to meet you for a cup of coffee or can we grab lunch? It's both a great use of my time to just send them a link and say, hey, let's hop on a 20 minute virtual coffee chat. Let me get to know you and hear a little bit about you. But those are the ways that I'm like willing to connect and engage with people. And I think that that would be great for those that are introverted, like test that out, go into it, have a couple questions written down that you can jot on a post-it note and feel safe that you have that there. And it just makes it easy to get to know that person and be curious. Yeah, because it's a it's a it's an environment, it's an atmosphere that you're comfortable in. It's in your own place. You can wear whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You you don't have to you don't have the build up. You don't have to get anxious about traffic or where to find a parking spot or are you going to be on time. Yeah. You can you know just put on your stretchy shorts or stretchy pants. I wear stretchy shorts, and and just sit in front of a camera and just have a conversation with people. Yes, and you know what I would say also about relationships are. As over the last decade plus, I've absolutely found myself in conversations where I'm like, oh, this I could talk to this person for hours. Like, Sam, you're one of those people to me. It's so easy to connect with this person. But then I've also, you know, sometimes you find yourself in a conversation and you're like, okay, like this is an interesting person. I'm not sure that I see a future collaboration here, or maybe they made me feel small in the conversation, like the, it just, there was the, there was a missed connection there. And I think that's just part of building your business and building your network of people. You're not going to have a home run conversation with every single person, but the more that you have, the more comfortable and easy it gets. Do you agree? I do. No, I don't. I disagree entirely. Let's have an awkward moment in the conversation. <laughs> no, I, I kid. I kid. Yes, I, I agree. I agree 100%. You know, it's kind of like speed dating. You don't have to get married to the first person you talk to. Um, it's the same with clients, right? You don't have to get married to everybody who inquires. You don't have to say yes to everybody who inquires. I, I think that you bring up a good uh, good point here, Megan, and I want to. I really want to highlight it because I think it's important and maybe we can talk a little bit more because we don't have an infinite amount of time. And, you know, we're not just doing work We're you know, we're trying to expand our network or, um, you know, uh, achieve success with our business. We're also trying to live our lives Mm -hmm. and be with our friends and family and do our hobbies and travel the world or whatever it is that fills our cup. And so you have a finite amount of time and you can't go out and make a career out of building relationships, whether it's with, you know, your team or your clients or people who could refer you business. You have to make choices. You have to make decisions, which means that you need to know what kind of people you want to surround yourself with before you go out and say yes to everybody who wants a piece of your time. Yes. Yeah. And that can be hard to figure that out. So that's a great thing to call attention to is what is the purpose of it? Like, who are you looking to connect with and then make your plan for 
those relationships from there. So, and as it goes to time, you know, if you are just in the first two years of building your business and you're really like, you have more time because you're not, you're not overloaded. Perhaps then that's when you put more time towards networking and relationship building. And then as your business continues to grow, I still think we still have to do it. Right. Like I think years and years in, like you're still, you still need to have those coffee chats. You still need to be expanding your network, but you can, you can be a bit more discerning perhaps about how much time you put towards that. So you have time for all of the other projects on your plate. Yeah, it's it's um, it's so true because you can't say yes to everything. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Greg McEwen, and he wrote Essentialism and uh, most recently Effortless. And in, in Essentialism, he says something to the effect of you have to say no to the small things so you can say yes to the one big thing. And and I think that applies not just to the daily tasks that you engage in, but also the people that you connect with. You can't say yes to everybody. If you have if you're spending three hours a day on social media, you are wasting your time building networking or even a client base. What you can do is you can put out a smattering of stuff over 20, 30 minutes or whatever you want to do to connect with those people have surface you know, shallow conversations. But ultimately what you're looking for is how can you have one super meaningful conversation a week or two mm-hmm. a week with somebody who really matters over the course of a year, you're going to have 50 to 100 meaningful conversations that really create that bond, that connection that's going to do something to help you as an individual, as a business owner, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And when it comes to social media for years, something that we've done within our planning business is to make a list, like a, I've called it like a top 30 list. And these are those venues, photographers, florists, cake, hair and makeup artists that are like a top priority for us to interact and engage and support on social media instead of just like a you know, like poof of spending time. These are the people that we really want to be intentional about supporting on social media. And some of them are ones that we know very well, and some are aspirational, right? Like the places that we want to be able to work, the uh, vendors that we want to be able to have a future collaboration with. And that's just part of the way that we do some of our like relationship seed planting is through um, targeted social media. Yeah, I think that's great. It's a recommendation I make to my clients, you know, when I go through and come up with a personalized referral program that we're looking for is to pick, you know, 25 venues, 25 planners that align with your brand. And this is what's really important is that it has to align aesthetically. The ideal clients must overlap and the personalities should overlap as well. So when all three of those things are working together, that then becomes a potential referral partner that you can actually see a a long-term success with. And then you go through and, and you, you know, start following them and engaging with them. And I usually recommend picking two or three per week that you go mm-hmm. through and you really focus in on. And then you're just rotating through those over the course of the year. And that'll help take that, that surface level relationship to the next level. And eventually, when you're in town or at a conference or a workshop or, or something, you have a chance to actually you know, set up a, a, an, an, a coffee date IRL or maybe <laughs> yeah. you go out to dinner or you host them over at your house for, for a stay. Um, but but that's, how, that's how you can start moving in from you know, a wide base to uh, a very narrow uh, you know, top of you know, connection points. Yeah, I love that. I'm totally on board with it. 
So we've been talking about how to form relationships with, you know, a network of wedding professionals who can help provide you support and guidance and direction and encouragement and also feed your business. One of the things that I read somewhere was that your your network is both your safety net when, you know, things go bad, pandemic, uh, or you fall on hard times. And it's also your fishing net when you want to go out and try and collect more clients. One of the things that I know is sorely underrepresented in the conversation about getting referrals is looking at your own clients as your strongest source of referrals. And so just as we put time, energy, money, resources into building a referral network with potential vendors or colleagues in the wedding industry, I want to talk a little bit about how we can do the same thing with our clients. Because as you get more mature in your business, you're going to have more clients in your potential referral base. And it can become a very, very powerful tool to leverage. What are some things that you do during the, the, the client journey, both you know pre and, and during the wedding? And then what are some things that you do after the wedding to maintain those relationships? You don't have to answer all that at once, but those are the two things that I really want to get out of the next you know, however many minutes we have in the conversation. For me, the key to successful client relationships, the clients that want to refer you time and time again, it is communicating expectations of the relationship clearly at the beginning, earning their trust through meeting and exceeding those expectations, and then finding ways to surprise and delight during the process. So we want to personalize the experience to our clients. And and we do that in little ways. Like for example, once they have signed a contract with us, I love Loom. I I talk about Loom so often, but I use Loom. How come you don't send me any Looms? I should. I'll send you one after this. I'll send you one after <laughs> I'm just this. I give you a hard time. <laughs> um, I use Loom both in my planner's fault. So every time a member joins the planner's fault, I record a personal Loom. I didn't start this in year one, so I missed the first like 150 of them. But sorry, y'all. Um, after moving forward, I send a personal loom that says like, hey, I'm so excited that you joined the vault. Here's what you can expect. And I do the same thing for our wedding clients. So I think you and I use the same like names often for uh, fake clients like Sarah and Joe, right? Like mm-hmm. we love that. Hey, Sarah and Joe, so excited to kick off the planning experience with you. I just wanted to thank you for you know taking uh, the next steps with us. Here's what's going to happen moving forward. Answer a few questions. Here's your welcome guide. Here we go. So that's one of the ways that we want to like start off the relationship with them. We do a really solid onboarding experience too. So we ask questions, just getting to know them and make sure that we tailor the experience to them. So a lot of our clients are very busy professionals and some of them have seasonality with what they do. So maybe they're in med school or they're in law school or they travel certain times of the year for work. We want to know those things so that we don't ask them to just conform directly to our processes. We adjust it to meet what their actual busy lives look like. And I think those are the moments like combined. It's a bunch of small little things that we use our onboarding process to send a personalized gift. We customize the planning experience to be what works for them. We will do little things like put 
baskets in the getting ready suites for both of them with the little things that you're like, oh my gosh, there's a phone charger here. Or, oh, they remembered they put extra groomsmen socks in here. And to me, these are the ways that not only am I building a relationship with my clients, but I'm also looking at those wedding party guests as my future clients too. And I want them to be like, dude, this is amazing. This is from your wedding planner. And then I plant that seed within that person right there that hopefully when they get engaged, we are who they think to reach out to. So it's trust, follow through, surprise and delights. And then um, things like making our clients look good. Like I mentioned, like making the experience for their VIPs and their guests feel really special and customized so that they look to my couple and say like, that was the best wedding ever. And then my couple is like, well, let me tell you, like we couldn't have done it without Megan from a Southern story. That's what the relationship looks like up to the day. That's so good. So many things in there. And I love the uh, personalized welcome or intro mm-hmm. or, hey, thanks for reaching out. Here's a face and a voice for you rather than here are words that you can then you can read or, or not read, which is what happens a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it is like, yes, we absolutely have a process. I mean, we couldn't be in business for as long as we are if we didn't have a this happens here, this happens here. But sometimes I think as wedding pros, we get really rigid in what that process looks like. And we're looking for our clients to conform to that, where maybe we need to loosen the reins a little bit and have a little bit more flexibility and let our clients know like, hey, I get it. You're busy professionals and we want to work within what our process looks like to meet your needs and make this process super customized and also super fun for you. I mean, one of the things that I find myself saying time and time again on my consult calls is the idea of, I want you to enjoy the fun parts of planning a wedding and let us handle the logistics and the behind the scenes work of reviewing contracts, putting together timelines, room diagrams, and all the things. So that's that's the pre-wedding and wedding day experience. And then after the wedding, I mean, for us, it's just, we plan, we do something kind of cool where we on our checklist for our clients, especially if it's a full service client, after the wedding, like one of the things that we want to do is have a date with them, like have a, if they're local, we want to meet up, take them out to dinner and say, oh my gosh, you're married. This is amazing. What was your favorite part? What's something you might do differently? And that is the beginning. And I will put a disclaimer, same. If there is a, if there's a client that I'm like, yeah, we're not, that's, that's not going to happen. Like, you got to be careful who you show the love to. That's right. That might be like a, possible link for a zoom meeting perhaps, but maybe, maybe we're not like going out to dinner from there. Um, But it's building that relationship so that afterwards we have a connection to have moving forward. A lot of my past clients after the wedding, I'm friends with them on Facebook. So I will see when they have a baby, I'll see when they take trips and I'm engaging with them and they see that I'm a human too. Like they see that I'm a mom and that I have a life outside of being in the wedding industry. But I do a really, I really do want to have a blend of posting professional things versus personal things so that my clients remember like, oh yeah, she's still a wedding planner. Like 10 years later, she's still someone that we could refer clients to. And and that's, and that's so important because, you know, the people who are attending the wedding or who connected with that person in their social circle, people tend to move in, like the herd will move in a, in a group 
through you know everybody having a wedding and then everybody having a baby and then everybody nesting in their home right i mean this mm-hmm. is why uh you know a company like the knot you know went through the knot and then the bump and the nest because this is what happens and they realize that they were just moving through people's lives with each other and you want to continue to be relevant and top of mind and tip of tongue when your past clients are talking to their friends who may be just now going through that and mm-hmm. so super important to stay connected. I mean, if we went through and we looked at over the course of a decade, how many clients you've had some sort of relationship with, it's going to be into the hundreds. hundreds. And if those people become you know, brand ambassadors that are out raving about this, what it was like to work with you and mm-hmm. how amazing you were and how, how good you made them look and how great you made the experience for their guests feel at the wedding, then you have all these different salespeople that are now out there for your company feeding your your pipeline. Yeah. And I just remembered something that we have done every year for the last decade that I never did this as a marketing. It was never a marketing strategy. It was more just a let's celebrate and honor our past clients. But I now look at it and I'm like, oh, that was kind of a cool like marketing move. We do something on our business anniversary, which is July 28th. That's the day I signed the contract for the business, took over ownership. So we do something to celebrate both vendors um, that we work with regularly, like our core group, the venues that refer us time and time again. But we also do, and we've done in the past, like we've done a little social, a vendor appreciation. We've sent out little cards thank you cards. We've done little gifting. It kind of, we change it up every year, but what we do for our clients is we do a giveaway. So only for past clients. And we ask them to share a favorite image of their wedding day. And we ask them to tag us and use a certain hashtag. It's typically relevant to the number of years that we've been in business, but we use a hashtag that speaks to like, we've been in business eight years, celebrate with us. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for amazing clients like this. And we pick one past client to send them like a dinner for two gift card or like a spa day gift card from all of the clients that enter. And it's so cool to see clients that got married eight years ago, five years ago, three years ago, posting pictures of their wedding, because again, it goes back to people love to share, right? So like they love to share their favorite image from their wedding and it gets them talking about their wedding planner that they hired years and years ago. And then it creates that like another round of buzz year after year. So feel free to steal that idea if you're listening. Yeah, you should. I'm going to do it. I've already taken a note down and we're going to definitely follow up with something like that. It is. It's, I think it's, uh, you know, any way that you can have that that impression that was formed during the wedding just brought up and surfaced again mm-hmm. is going to be super beneficial. You know, you go through and you have this time with them that's so immersive, and then all of a sudden it's done. And wedding professionals tend to just move on mm-hmm. rather than look at how can you parlay that into something that's going to be helpful for both you and them. It's helpful for them in the sense that they get to relive that experience and that connection and they get to go back to that memory uh, and, and how good it felt to have you as part of their team. And you in turn get to repay them with, or they get a chance to repay you with, how can I help support you? How can I get you to be more successful? All of your clients, if they're good clients, and if you do a good job for them, they want that. They're like, mm-hmm. how can we ever thank you? 
you know, my response is, well, you know, three people who are getting married. Do you want to make the introduction or do you just want to give me your name? <laughs> because I'm, I'm ready to get some referrals from somebody who is as excited about the experience that they had with me as you are. That's yes. ultimately the thing that costs them nothing but a few minutes and can hugely benefit your business. So leveraging that is super important. One of the things that, that we're playing on there, and I want to kind of highlight some of the, the underlying psychological principles here is that it's about the peak end effect. So the peak end effect is that people tend to remember the peak experience that they have and then the last experience that they had. And so if, you, like if you're on vacation, you'll typically remember the best thing and then you remember the last thing. Um, mm -hmm. If you're working with somebody for whether, you know, with your wedding, whether it's a planner or a photographer or a DJ or whatever it is, they'll remember the best experience that they had with you. Typically, it's going to be on the wedding day. I would hope it would be on the wedding day. And then they're going to remember the last experience that they have with you. What I find that most wedding pros neglect is the last experience. You know, it, it, like photographers will often just send a link. Here's your gallery, you know, pick the images you like and, you know, maybe we can work on an album later. Or, you know, a floor designer really does nothing typically after the wedding's over. A DJ, like, wh yeah. what do you do? You know, but there are lots of things you could do. You could send them the playlist. You could send them, you yeah. know, uh, something, you know, a photo with, you know, of them doing their first dance or whatever it may be. There are things that you can incorporate into your workflow that leave, that leave, let you leave on a high note. So that that then becomes the last thing that they remember. And if, if you can create something that's shareable, like you have online, then they're going to share that last impression with everybody that they know and love. Yeah. Here's two things, two more potential ideas, little client moments. I'll keep them quick. One is on their one year anniversary, if you have the bandwidth to be able to post an Instagram story and just congratulate them on their one year anniversary and tag them on social media, that we've always gotten a lot of reshares for that from our clients. And then we used to do this thing where we had a little mobile printer. So we would keep that in our wedding day kit and we would take a picture on our phones of them, like first dance ceremony, like something we're always taking pictures throughout the day of like quick little moments here and there. And we would hook it up to the mobile printer and we would have purchased this like inexpensive, we're talking $5, $7, like little frame. And we print out a four by six from the wedding day, put it in the picture frame. And then when we go to like a lot of our weddings, we do at this well, we do them all over, but at certain properties, like the honeymoon suite is there on site at the end of the night. So when we go to like put the personal items and things in the room, we'll leave the uh, picture frame with a handwritten note and they're never expecting that. It's just one of those things. They're like, how did they do this? There's already a framed picture of us from like two hours ago. And that's just, a, it goes, it speaks to what you called the peak end moment, right? Like that's the thing they're going to go home put in their house. And every single time they walk by it, they're thinking about the wedding day and the person that gifted them that. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a yeah. really good one. Yeah. Cause it is, it's that complete unexpected surprise and uh, a, a moment that they can delight in and, and, and relish and, and then eventually share with people because they can take that photo and it's in their, you know, some place of honor in their house. And when they throw dinner parties or family comes mm -hmm. over or whatever it is, they look at that photo and like, where did you get that one? Oh, that's from my planner. Or that's from mm -hmm. my photographer. That's, you know, uh, yeah, photographers could pull that off really well. DJs could pull it off. I mean, there's so many, any, anyone that's there to the end of the evening could pull that one off pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. And yeah. a nice way, speaking of the peak end rule for us to end, Yes. We could talk for six hours or longer. 
And you know me, I'm always trying to cut them short and you are always the one that's trying to keep them going. <laughs> this is a lie. That is a big lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Megan, for coming on. If people wanted to find out more information about how you know they can learn from you, uh, whether they're planners or not, I know you have a podcast. I'd love for you to share that. And, and what's another way that people can follow along? Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is Weddings for Real. You can find us on any listening platform. You can connect with me directly on social media at, at Weddings for Real. Or if you are a wedding planner and you're interested in learning more about the Planners Vault, you'll find me on there at, at Planners Vault or theplannersvault.com. Wonderful. Thanks, Megan. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Sam. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 